Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules, and I'm really excited to host today's episode with a very dear friend of mine, Amy Valpone. Some of you might know her as the Healthy Apple. She is a Manhattan-based personal chef, but she's also a consultant and a whole living expert and a professional recipe developer. You've probably read some of her articles on all kinds of news media, and she has a beautiful blog that's just totally inspiring as well, and it's all about clean eating and clean living, and she has done some amazing things, and I hope that we'll be able to um, you know, hear a lot of her wonderful tips today on the show to really be able to use her things you know, that she has developed for herself and we can apply them to our own lives as well. So thank you very much, Amy, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice again. I haven't seen you in a while, and I miss you. You're such a dear friend of mine, and I, I love catching up with you on social media and looking at your blog and your beautiful pictures. I, you're just such a spark plug of energy, and um, it's really quite amazing to hear from whence you came and where you are today. So I really want to give people the opportunity to hear your story. When we first met years ago, your all of these wonderful things that I just listed off, you, that was not your day job. Your day job was something quite different. And I'd love for you to explain to folks, you know, what you were doing and the process that you sort of undertook to say, you know, I don't really want to do that anymore. This is what I want to do and what drove you in that direction. Yeah, definitely. So I was working in corporate America for years here in Manhattan. And one day my legs started swelling up with about 40 pounds of water weight. And, they rushed me to the hospital, gave me a bone marrow biopsy, pretty much told me that they thought I had leukemia because I had chronic low white blood cells, um, had me on steroids, painkillers, water pills, you name it, pretty much every drug. Um, after working with St. Vincent's Cancer Center here in Manhattan for two over two years, they came to the conclusion that they had, could not figure out what was wrong with me and couldn't help me and sent me to Mayo Clinic um, out in Minnesota. And I went up there for a whole week. And they, again, found nothing wrong with me, bone marrow biopsies and everything. Pretty much told me I was crazy. Uh, and then one day I ended up with C. diff colitis about a year and a half ago. Hmm. And they gave 24 hours to live. Um, I was on morphine. And the human resources department for my job called me. I was on disability. And they said, we think you're kidding because you're blogging. <laughs> and I had morphine pretty much coming in to me through an IV. And my father grabbed the phone and said, you're never going back to that job ever again. <laughs> Where to go, Dad? <laughs> yeah, and just for the for the listeners, just to get some idea, I mean, for you to have forty pounds of water weight in your leg, I mean, Amy, you probably weigh about eighty pounds. So, I mean, that was something that was pretty remarkable. Not that it wouldn't be for anyone else, but you have been through an exhaustive journey through medicine, you know, Western medicine, basically everywhere you've turned and they haven't had answers for you. 
And so you decided not to go back to your job in corporate America, and were you simultaneously looking at alternative medicine, or what What was sort of the path you took to heal yourself, not just emotionally by leaving corporate America, but physically as well? Yeah, so I went back to school, excuse me, got my degree in integrative medicine, and started looking, researching medical doctors who work in integrative medicine, which is, I have a whole explanation of what integrative medicine is on my website, um, and pretty much it's healing the body and trying to figure out what's causing it. So if you have high cholesterol, instead of eating cheeseburgers and, you know, eating like crap every day and just taking Lipitor and other drugs, you know, to put a Band-Aid on your problem, it's trying to figure out what is going on inside your body and why you have high cholesterol and looking at your diet and your lifestyle and stress and all that. And before this, I thought people were crazy who did yoga and, you know, talk about stress and how it reacts in your body and, I It took me, you know, to get very, very sick and, you know, 24 hours to death to realize, wow, you know, this really does have more impact than anything. Um, so it's pretty amazing. And um, I started working with integrated medicine doctors, and they found a million things wrong with me, which for the first time in my life was huge because, you know, since I was a kid, I've had stomach issues, and every doctor said, we don't know what to do with you. So um, it was pretty amazing. They found heavy metal accumulation in my body, so I had to get... My mercury fillings removed um, through a vacuum. The mercury wasn't drawn to my brain and organs. And then go through an IV chelation, which draws the heavy metals out of your body. Uh, while I and where do they think that that had come from? I mean, that's it's such a, a shock to hear that. You know, I'm sure you were completely surprised that you had this heavy metal buildup in your body. Where, you know, looking back on it, do you have any idea where that had come from? Yes, yeah, so they also found out that I was born without a gene that um, helps you detoxify. And um, so pretty much every time I ate like a can of tuna or, you know, swordfish or, hmm. you know, maybe it was, you know, something else that had, you know, they, you know how they say there's, um, you know, there's arsenic in chicken, there's arsenic in rice, there's arsenic in apple juice. So, you know, if you have a great immune system in your body, you don't have any handicaps, you know, you can detox those right out. I couldn't, and I still can't. So they pretty much sit in my body and sat in my body for 30 years, and pretty much every organ was shutting down. Um, wow. So it was pretty insane. Yeah, it was, uh, it was It was. an incredible, incredible experience. I learned a lot. And is that, you said it's a gene, so did you then turn back to your family and, and have anyone else in your family ever had any experiences like this? Do you think that anyone else in your family is also lacking that gene? Yeah, I actually just had my parents go to an integrative medicine doctor for the first time in their lives last month, and my father found out he has it. So wow. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So it's just it was very interesting, but I learned so much from just little things. Like, you know, half the makeup, we walk into Sephora or any, you know, beauty apartment or any department store and these beautiful lipsticks and makeup. And, you know, I used Giorgio Armani lipstick for years, and then they found out that was the highest cases of lead. I mean, I was pretty much eating lead on my lips throughout all of college and, you know, my corporate jobs. Um, yeah, but that's it's really amazing. I think I get I got some questions just even yesterday on that, and I was doing some more research. And um, actually, you've got a wonderful list on your website, thehealthyapple.com, 
where you talk about, you know, cosmetics and toiletries and how to detox your beauty routine. And I think people are, are shocked to learn that, you know, there's so many chemicals in cosmetics, as you say, Sephora and these other ones that are just these high-end, really expensive um, cosmetic companies, and you think you're paying for quality and you're not necessarily paying for quality. You're paying for the advertising budgets of these companies to make you think you're paying for quality. But the site, the, the quote that's on your site, which I've seen before, and it's a good one, um, the average woman wears nearly 515 chemicals a day and will eat nearly four pounds of lipstick in her lifetime. And for people like me who have celiac disease, if your lipstick has gluten in it, that's a big problem. <laughs> four pounds of lipstick with gluten in it over your lifetime can be pretty damaging. And, and for those of us who still have problems, you know, still have health problems, you know, you were trying to figure out for the longest time is what, what was going on in your life that was giving you these health problems. And I hear from people every day, you know, I'm on a gluten-free diet. It, but you have to turn to stuff like this. Maybe it's in your lipstick. You know, maybe it's in something else that you maybe wouldn't have thought about. So you had to kind of start from from scratch and look at your own life. And now you have the beautiful opportunity to share that with others. That that's what you do in your consulting and working with people one on one as well. Exactly. Yeah. And even in everything like um, you know, cleaning products. You know, I use Windex and Clorox and I mean, all of my face washes and, you know, shampoos and conditioners and everything with parabens in it. So now I use, like, seventh generation. Mm -hmm. um, I use a lot of the cleaning products or just, you know, white distilled vinegar with lemon juice, you know. And I used to look at people like they were nuts. I was like, why are these people going green? Why are these people? I mean, I was, like, the anti-yoga, anti-anything green. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Like, I mean, it sounds terrible, but I really was. I was like, you know. We're all going to die. The planet's going to go away. It's like, why be green? Why do this? I mean, of course, I was conscious and recycling and all that, but I was like, you know, why do I need all these, you know, crazy expensive organic products, you know? And, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, what's in anything, like in the meat, of, you know, the organics or the, um, the antibiotics that they're putting into, you know, and the hormones that they're putting into animals. I mean, People are just eating chicken salads and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, oh, my God, what is in that? You don't even realize you're eating conventional dairy and meat and what's in it. I mean, it's especially pregnant women as well. Yeah, it is really kind of scary when you dig deep um, into that and, and see more about what's really in our foods. Because I think especially in the United States, we feel like, you know, the FDA is looking out for us and that, you know, all of our food is safe and, you know, USDA certified and, you know, that certainly when you go to other countries, I remember when I lived in Malaysia years ago and they're just, it was such a stark contrast. I felt like none of the food was safe, you know, in, in a lot of the areas that I was living in there. Um, and I felt like, you know, almost big brother, like when I came home that, you know, all of the things that we have here in the United States are safe and they're regulated and they're monitored and, and we don't have to worry about that as consumers. And the more you dig deep into it, the more you realize that's just really not so. I mean, obviously we have a lot safer foods than other places in the world um, often do, but not necessarily as safe as you would want them to be. And when you start looking at the mineral, I mean, the the heavy metal content of some of these things and, and what we're absorbing in farmed foods and um, the genetically modified organisms and all of that, it gets kind of really overwhelming. So I think, you know, I've heard from you and how you work with your um, 
clients individually especially to take that overwhelming, you know, just throw up your hands mentality. There's just too much. I can't do it. And you work with these folks and you help them to come up with a plan that does work for them. Sometimes that involves you cooking for them and sometimes that involves you taking them to the store and sometimes that involves you showing them how to cook. But, you know, working up meal plans and helping them to learn how to shop and buy and prepare foods that are healthy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and it's true. I always thought the FDA was looking out for me. I remember I used to eat Splenda, I think it was in college, and I was like, oh, there's this beautiful little yellow package. It's so much prettier, and it's safe. It's not like the purple or the, the pink and the blue packages, like equal, and I don't even know what the other stuff is, a sweet and low you know, this is good for me. You know, the advertisements say it's good. They're not going to hurt me. You know, I even went and spoke at Bloomberg a few weeks ago, and, you know, there's these, you know, everyone from the ages of 30 to 60, and they kept saying to me, Splenda's good for me, right, because it's made from real sugar. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then they're saying, you know, oh, well, you know, for breakfast I have a special K 90-calorie bar. And I'm like, oh, my God, do you even look at what's inside of it? And I was like, why don't you just have plain oatmeal? And they're like, well, there's too many calories in it. And I'm like, yeah. it's not about calories. It's about what you're eating. You're eating, like, genetically modified crap with, you know, uh, horm- hormones and all. I mean, they don't even know. You know, there's dairy in it because then they're eating hormones. I mean, it's just like, oh, my God, it's so sad. Yeah, well, I and I think people ask me, you know, all the time, I think I was just I was quoted just the other day saying this exact thing about what what's a benefit to having celiac disease or living gluten free or having food sensitivities. People think that they're almost asking that as a joke, like there's really no benefit to it. The biggest benefit to me is that I am forced to read every single label because mm-hmm. then you actually weigh whether it's worth putting that junk in your body or giving it to your child or what have you because you're like this long list of ingredients I can't pronounce half of them I don't know what from whence they came you know none of that is that something that you really want to to eat or do you want to eat more whole foods do you want to eat foods that have a clean label do you want to eat foods that you know where they came from and that decision that you make while you're standing in the food store looking at the labels it causes you I think most people to make the right decision to eat healthier, whereas if you don't have any food restrictions, you're never forced to look at the food labels. You're never forced to think about what is in the product that you're buying. And I think you buy a lot more processed foods than most people do. And, um, you know, when you have food restrictions, you end up making a lot more foods for yourself and you can control the you know salt intake that you have. You can control what the ingredients are that you're putting into the products that you're making. And I think it, it causes you to be a healthier consumer because you have to actually read all those labels. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree completely. It's, it's, it's insane, isn't it? It's just really sad. Well, tell me about how you figured out, because I know you've got a really long list of things that you you personally cannot eat in terms of ingredients, and there's a long list of foods that, that you consider staples in your diet. How were you able to figure out what was bothering you or that you had to avoid and, and what you could actually tolerate well? So I did the elimination diet, which I have a whole page on my website that explains the elimination diet and everything it is and what you have to do, and pretty much... You have to go one by one with different foods and see what bothers you, what doesn't. Everything from eggplant to, uh, you know, to gluten to dairy to corn to soy. 
um, you know, sugar, different things like that, different additives, you know, different things like that. So that's pretty much how I figured it all out. And then if you would just, you know, eat something in particular and then you would just see if you felt differently or if you were retaining water or you had a rash or if any kind of reaction like that, is that what you were looking for? Exactly. Any kind of reaction. You're exhausted. You have migraines. You're bloated, you know, constipation, diarrhea, you know, you're irritated, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, gluten can cause everything, anything from anxiety to, you know, leaky gut. You know, I mean, it could be anything. It's just pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So, and I know you've had some experience in the paleo world. That's, you know, a word that everybody's throwing around now. But do you consider that you are living a paleo lifestyle or not? Oh, definitely. I think paleo for, I don't really call it paleo. I mean, I've never really put a, a, a title on it um, because I do have some protein powder from my doctor that's rice-based, um, but I, mm-hmm. cannot eat any, I cannot eat any grain. So that's the only grain that I've gotten in probably the last, probably, gosh, probably since, since high school. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, since I started college, I stopped. My freshman year of college, I cut grains out. So, um, you know, that was... God, that was like 2000, 2000. I don't even remember. <laughs> You're dating <laughs> I yourself. I don't even know. Probably 10 years ago. I can't even remember when I was in college anymore. But, um, well, yeah, so it's been, it's been kind of crazy. And the way that I found out, which many, I don't really mention most of the time, but my college roommate was on the low-carb diet. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, that's cool. What's that? And she cut out breads and pastas, and I felt, I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. And I felt so much better. I don't mention that a lot of times, but I was like, wow, why do I feel better? But then I was having soy sauce when I went out to eat. I was still getting sick. So that's when I was like, all right, what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and at least you had the good sense to listen to your body, which a lot of people just you know plow on. This is what I've always eaten, so I'm just going to keep eating it and maybe don't necessarily make the connection. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a call. We have somebody who's been waiting for a little while, and I'm sure they have a good question for you, Amy. So hang on just a second. Hello, you're on Gluten-Free Voice. Who am I talking to? Hello, are you there? Oh, dear. I don't think. Oh, no. Do we lose them? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they have their phone on mute. I'll put you back on hold, and you can come back there. There we go. Let's see. Are you there now? No. I don't I don't know. They're still waiting. Um, sometimes people put their phone on mute, which is good, because then you get the reverberation when, they're, when they have the call open. But we'll see if they come back and back on. I'll check it in just a second. Um, The other question I had for you, because I've seen a lot of this stuff recently on your blog, is about the candida diet. Can you explain the candida diet? Sure. So I got candida, and pretty much what candida is, it's a yeast overgrowth in your intestines. So I had to pretty much cut out anything that, that creates yeast in your body. So sugars and a lot of different fruits and, you know, vinegars and mustards and you know, I mean, you name it. It's pretty much just eating completely, completely clean, lean proteins and vegetables. Um, you know, nothing that's going to create, you know, that kind of sugar in your body. No grains, no, you know, things like that. I mean, you can have some quinoa, a little bit of those kinds of things, but I can't eat that anyway. So pretty much it's like, you know, organic eggs, chicken, fish, and vegetables. Um, and healthy fats, lots of avocados, um, you know, no, no peanuts, you know, no legumes, um, but things like that. 
Now, once you have gotten that bacterial overgrowth under control, do you then say that you can reintroduce those types of foods that you were just listing, or, or do you just stay on that candida diet forever? I actually, you know, that you once you have candida, you always have it. Okay. You can start reintroducing. Um, you can start reintroducing foods in, you know, one by one. That you know, when your doctor tests you for it, you can do stool tests. And again, it all needs to be done with an integrated medicine doctor because you know regular doctors do not look at candida; they don't even believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's you know, I think we've all learned um, that Western medicine isn't the complete solution for everyone. <laughs> there are so mm-hmm. many things about um, what I think anyone, certainly who's living gluten-free, has had to figure that out kind of for themselves. I remember when my doctor first told me I had celiac disease, that was the end of the discussion. He said, you have celiac disease, that means you can't have gluten, I don't really know how to do that, you go figure it out. The rest of it, because it's not on a prescription pad, we have to figure out for ourselves. And so much of the diet, like what you're just talking about there with the candida, I mean, that's not something where a doctor is necessarily going to say, this is how you do this and this is what you do to heal yourself. That's definitely more of the integrative medicine angle and also, you know, people are doing that every day themselves, just figuring it out, doing elimination diets and figuring out what's really bothering them. And then another right. diet that you cover really well on your site is the anti-inflammatory diet. And I talk about this all the time because gluten, of course, is one of those big inflammatory foods, as is dairy. And so I you know, strongly encourage people who have um, issues with inflammation or other inflammatory diseases to try an anti-inflammatory diet. Can you speak to some of the other things that are on that anti-inflammatory diet? Sure. So I created a whole page for the anti-inflammatory diet. So I have huge inflammation in my body, and I pretty much eat cleaner than I've ever met anyone in my entire life. Um, so it just goes to show that, you know, years of damage can really just kill your body. So, you know, things like turmeric um, really helps with inflammation. So I do a lot of turmeric. Um, I do a ton of probiotics. I do the Dr. O'Hara's probiotics, which are great. Um, lots of coconut oil. Um, you know, to heal my gut and help with the inflammation. Um, you know, and then different things like adding in, like, you know, omega-3 fatty acids um, and antioxidants like vitamin C and, um, you know, other things that are going to help, you know, whether it's, um, uh, what do I take, olipolic acid, you know, different things that my doctor has given me to kind of fight the inflammation. So I created the anti-inflammation diet because, you know, there's people like my father who thinks he's eating healthy because he's eating, like, a bag of tortilla chips instead of potato chips, and he doesn't realize <laughs> chips, you cannot eat the whole bag. Yes, eating a few tortilla chips is great, but the entire bag is, you know, it's filled with saturated fat. I mean, it's just, it's, it's filled with tons and tons of junk that you just really just do not need. Um, and looking at ingredients, so that's why I made that, to show people, you know, how to really cut down the inflammation inside their bodies and look at what they're eating. It's really looking at the one-ingredient foods and just sticking with, you know, lean proteins and, you know, healthy fats like avocados and nuts and seeds and not being afraid to eat fat. You know, if you're eating, you know, a 100-calorie pack of, of, of Oreos, you know, that's causing inflammation in your body. It's white flour. It's a bunch of junk. If you're eating 100 calories from an avocado, that's, in, that's healthy with the inflammation. That's an anti-inflammatory. So it's not about calories because in 30 years you're going to end up spending that extra, extra money on medical bills because you're going to be filled with inflammation. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think what happened in in Western society was, you know, that low-fat craze. 
really just turned everything about a proper diet on its head because everyone just started looking at the only thing that they cared about was how much fat was in the content, you know, of, of the food that they're eating, which is the then the calorie counts came down and people said, okay, you know, we're going to have lower calorie foods and lower fat foods. That doesn't mean that the sugar came down and doesn't mean that, that there were any healthy fats that were added. And so, you know, things like avocados became dirty words because they were so high in fat. But it's good fat, and that's the message that I think is not successfully conveyed to you know most people in American society, at least, is that there is a huge difference between good fat and bad fat. And we're just starting to see, because of the trans fat conversation, I think we're starting to see a turnaround where people are like, oh, okay, so you know, there's trans fats that are really bad, and then there's some other fats that aren't so bad. But yeah, that that whole idea of getting a balanced plate full of, you know, healthy fats and healthy protein and, you know, lean proteins and things like that. Um, Not to be afraid, like you said, of eating something that is fatty because there are some really um, great benefits to certain foods, natural foods, not processed foods with fat. Exactly. I agree completely. Well, I wanted to ask you, just because I know you and I have had a couple of these conversations before and I find them so interesting, Um, you do a lot of work as a personal chef and also a recipe developer. But I think it's fascinating that you are able to work with people and come up with recipes and come up with foods and, and cook foods for other people that you can't even taste yourself because you do have a, quite a long list of things that you avoid in your diet, either for anti-inflammatory, candida, or other um, you know, sensitivities. So how on earth do you develop recipes or prepare recipes for other people that you can't even taste for yourself. I mean, I have to lick the bowl. I'm sorry. Like, I'm a baker. I lick the bowl. <laughs> That's, I will freely admit. So how on earth do you develop these recipes when you can't necessarily taste them yourself? Yeah, no, it's so funny. So many people ask me that. Someone just did, like, a video on me and, and said, like, you're, it's magic. I, it's honestly just years. I mean, they go to my parents' house. They're having a picnic, and I do make, like, these quinoa salads, and, and then I'm I make it and I send it over to my mom, and I'm like, okay, what does it need before it goes out? And she's always like, nothing. And I'm like, really? I mean, sometimes it's a little extra salt and pepper because obviously, I, you know, I can't get a feel for that. But um, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of like I've kind of made it in art, so it's pretty interesting. That is pretty interesting. What is the most um, unusual or, I guess, interesting request that you've had as a personal chef or um, uh, developing recipes on behalf of a, of a company or something, what's the most unusual recipe that you think you've come up with? Oh, my gosh. I, my, my recipes are all about unusual things. As you can tell, I don't make yes. anything, you know. Oh, gosh, what is the most? That's a really tough question. Um, I don't know. My it's like picking recipe. your favorite child. <laughs> I, I can't know. do it. I know, right? I'm trying to think. Um, hmm. I don't know, Jules. You just stumped me. Um, well, I gotta think now. Now I'm like really, really into. Uh, I don't know. I'm like trying to like brainstorming like images of recipes in my head of what people have been like. Oh my god, I would have never tried that. I don't know. Well, we did have a long conversation once about chickpea flour, and I thought that was an interesting one that um, you were talking about how many recipes you could come up with using chickpea flour. And that's a little bit off the beaten path in terms of gluten-free. It's definitely gluten-free, but, you know, it's like you think of the top 
three or four, you know, recipes off the top of your head that you're using chickpea flour, but you've got to come up with a whole bunch more. That would be an interesting thing. But I didn't know if there's if there were any specific clients that you've had who had either really unusual tastes or other restrictions that meant that you had to really think outside the box. I, oh, I'm sorry, you just what was it? Anything that I had to think outside the box for for a recipe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I'm trying to think. I had to create a few recipes for um, the California um, almond board, and mm-hmm. I obviously I was making. I had to do a dessert. I had to do like entrees and a salad and a soup, and I made these like almond croutons with gluten-free bread that were just incredible. Um, so that was something that was like really interesting to me. I really loved working with them. Um, I love it. We just for some reason it was more creative than working with like an actual product. It's mm-hmm. there's like things that you can do with ground almonds and um, you know almond flour and sliced almonds and chopped almonds and whole almonds and raw almonds. I mean blanched almonds. I mean it was like insane. I was like, oh my god. Now were you able to eat the almond croutons? Yeah, I was. Which oh, I couldn't eat the croutons because of the bread, but I eat. Almond, I honestly eat almond meal by the spoon because it's just ground almonds, and I love it. You know what I do is I put almond meal and flaxseed meal on top of my oatmeal, my gluten-free oatmeal. Ooh, I think it's so good. Like, it just, you know, I yeah. love having the nuts flavor, which to me flaxseed meal tastes like nuts as well. But, like, so I put both of them on top of my gluten-free oatmeal, and then I put berries in it and some seeds. And it just, uh, it, when you mentioned oatmeal earlier, it just reminded me, I mean, that's one of my very favorite um, travel things to, to pack with me as well when I when I go away is to take that gluten-free oatmeal with me. But when you add the, the nuts to it, it's just so good. But, um, well, this has been a very interesting conversation, <laughs> and I hope that everybody who's listening does go and check out your website, which is thehealthyapple.com. There's lots more information and recipes there. She's also on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Instagram and all kinds of other places you can find her. So um, send your questions and comments through to Amy if you have more specific questions. And you can always reach me at JulesGlutenFree.com. And I am Jules Glutenfree Flower on Facebook and Jules Glutenfree on Twitter. Thanks again for your time, Amy. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. It was great to just connect with you, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really valuable information for folks. So thanks so much. Take care. Um, Thanks so much. Bye.